Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. August 2nd, 1970, Hockenheim, Germany. 28-year-old Jochen Rindt stands atop the winner's podium, holding the German Grand Prix Championship trophy. His wife and younger daughter stand proudly at his side. He looks across the crowd of cheering Germans and thinks back to the 1961 German Grand Prix when he was one of them. A schoolboy watching his first-ever F1 race, realizing for the first time that he wanted to become a driver. Nine years later, he was on the top of the racing world, poised to become a world champion. Little did he know that this would be his last time standing atop the podium. How did the death of his parents set Jochen Rindt to the path of being one of the most feared racing drivers of his era? Was Jochen Rindt's historic 1970 season an outlier or glimmers of a rising superstar snuffed out too soon? Did Jochen Rindt have a lasting impact on the sport? Or 50-plus years later, has his story been reduced to a macabre trivia question? Today on Pass Gas, the story of Jochen Rindt. Pass Gas Podcast! It's about cars, it's not about ports! I wish that auto history was in most pub trivia games because i do decently we'd do pretty good yeah. we'd be unstoppable i destroy a pub trivia what's your i forte? destroy a pub trivia bathroom. anything are you an entertainment guy all and everything i really i do yes. not know literature at all i'm 
they're always no. like, what is the book written by Ayn Rand? I don't, I don't know. Atlas Shrugged. Yeah, the that's always head. it. That's always it. <laughs> they only mention that one. I did a pratfall earlier this morning. Hell yeah. Uh, and you're still recovering? And I like <laughs> fell onto my shoulder directly onto the car, nice. the, the concrete floor. And that's was like, commitment. That, w- that was stupid of me. I bet that was hilarious. Little old to start doing physical comedy. I now realize that. Yeah. It's kind I of a young man's game. I didn't game. do any stretch or anything. I just mm-hmm. went for it and landed directly on my shoulder. Oh, and man. it feels it feels all right now, but I was like, I hope I didn't just mess up my entire you week may just have. now. My yeah. shoulder's been hurting for about a month now, yeah, and I'm numb to it. But I not just numb got over her shoulder. I I tried to dunk, and I ripped wow. a bunch of sh- muscles in my shoulders. You guys are reaching. just asking for it. All I did was sleep in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saving up for right now is those pants that squeeze your legs. I know you what? Said this. I I tried it at my friend's house and they made uh-huh. my legs feel so. Joe good. and I were having a conversation and we were both like, "Oh man, I gotta quit spending money." It's like, "Yeah, I had a really expensive month." And we're like, "Yeah, let's quit spending money." And then Joe goes, "Yeah, but there are these pants that squeeze <laughs> your legs. Yeah. Like Seven hundred bucks. They're so great, though. <laughs> I mean, you could get a hundred fifty dollars ones from Amazon, but who's you, to say you what need they the do? Good ones." My squeeze too hard. So wait, do you have to get them sized to like your body, or is it just like a, a like a like a? A, a lot of them are like universe. No, they're like like they're like halfway between a sleeve and pants, okay. where they're separated. <laughs> they're separated. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a chap. But you put okay. one of them on, and then you put the other on, and they go all the way up to your butt. And okay. They just and it just squeezes. periodically like like a blood pressure machine, like right. squeeze your legs, let go, squeeze them, but. Man, I was walking around the next day with no pain. They're supposedly wow. take care of, you know, like uh, varicose, varicose veins and stuff like that. So cool. what I'm saying is, I think if you're trying to get into the leg squeezing <laughs> pants market, you can't go wrong. Wow. With Joe's Rue Pants. My name is Nolan Sykes. Welcome to Past Gas. Joined by my co-host, as always, Sleepy James Pumphrey. I got half a mind to beat your ass. (laughs) And uh, Squeezy Joe Weber. What's up, Wink Wink Nation? This is Squeezy Joe Weber. uh, Just saying, keep it juiced. Keep it juiced. Keep it squeezy. It ain't easy being squeezy. It ain't easy being squeeze or squeeze it. Oh, you could probably put some like oranges in the pants and have fresh squeezed orange juice every morning. It pays for itself. Any work. Dude, you could just set up a cart before work, put in a good three hours Mm -hmm. for the commuters, Mm -hmm. make your money back in six months. It's like a it's like a Nathan for you business pitch. It's yeah. like you're trying to sneak orange juice into a subway or something. Uh, yeah. And then it malfunctions and it just spooges orange <laughs> juice. Like why is there so much orange juice everywhere. coming from your pants? Pulp. All right. So sorry. This week we're talking about Jochen Rint. Jochen Rint. The German driver, F1 driver. This is another F1 driver story right here, guys. And I just want to say right away, this is not the guy with the skull helmet. It's nope. not. That's Jochen Mass. Yeah. yeah, I literally Googled Jochen Rint <laughs> helmet. Yeah. I, I was like, is he the skull helmet guy? It's He's a different not. guy. Maybe we will talk about Jochen, Jochen Mass. Jochen Mass at some point. But this is Jochen Rint. But we've made that mistake hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. So you're forgiven. Yeah. All right, so let's get into it, huh? Jochen Rint was born on April 18th, 1942 in Mainz, Germany. When he was 15 months old, at the height of World War II, both of his parents were killed during an Allied bombing raid in Hamburg, Germany. 
Jochen was moved to Graz, Austria, where he was raised by his maternal grandparents. From an early age, Jochen was competitive and had a passion for speed. One day, he arrived at his primary school with a wooden scooter and began slaloming downhill around teachers and students at high speeds. Jochen, stop that! <laughs> but he never knocked anyone over. He never knocked a nobody. He never <laughs> knocked a nobody. His teacher pulled him aside, telling him to slow down for the safety of, his, of himself and everyone else. He responded, quote, But I didn't go fast at all. <laughs> you think that's fast? Watch this. Watch this. <laughs> but I didn't go fast at all. His need for speed only grew as he got older, breaking bones in multiple ski racing accidents. And as a teen, he upgraded to moped racing with his friends on motocross tracks. That sounds kind of fun. Moped on motocross tracks? Sounds fun. Yeah. His races tended to only have two results, a win or a crash, foreshadowing his career in auto racing. Speaking of... Um, risky kind of transportation i almost bought a longboard this weekend again. no longboard skateboard you used to have one right i used to be really into that in high school uh <sighs> and i was like looking at him and then i was just i thought back to my broken collarbone when you broke your collarbone when you bought a bmx bike at 26 you're doing yeah. Pratt falls yeah. you're buying skateboards I'm, i what didn't no heck? i didn't buy the skateboard though i i restrained oh, yeah. myself you got self-control and said you know what i don't need that hospital bill right chloe now. if you're listening put this man chloe. under lock and key no i told her i said hey i didn't buy something this yeah. weekend isn't that <laughs> mature of me and she yeah. said yes actually said, yes you yeah. got through a quarter life crisis I kind kind of did last year, I think. Oh yeah. What when, did you buy? Well, I didn't buy anything, but uh, when you know when we were preparing for Bonneville, and I was doing like the uh, practicing getting out of the car with oh, all my yeah. safety gear and everything, mm -hmm. and after that, I was like, oh, I could die doing this. Yeah. yeah. So for like a month, I was like, I thought I was gonna die. Whoa. At Bonneville. That's a, whoa. I was Jeez. like, this could happen. I could be trapped. But in the you car. still went through with it. Yeah. And it, it didn't end up. Well, it ended end up, up raining racing, out. Right? Yeah. yeah. Maybe that was God being like, you would have died. Yeah. Maybe. Those are pre tears. Anyway, I can't wait to God. go again this year. Yeah. Uh, sounds like you love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I want to go fast. I had this obsession since I was 16 that I was going to die at 35. Whoa. And so the whole year when I was 35, I was like not skating. I was not doing it, anything risky. Why Whoa. 35? I was on mushrooms when I was 16, and oh, I, I it see. was like a vision came to me. Mm. I feel you. Yeah. I got you. And then I couldn't not think about it. Yeah. You were 35? Gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, Jochen endeared himself to classmates with his pranks and antics. Noise, my kind of guy. A behavior that resulted in popularity, but also <laughs> expulsion from several schools. Which makes you cooler. Yeah. Once was when he almost ran a teacher over on his motorcycle. Oh. Yeah. Uh, he learned to drive during a brief stint at a school in England before being expelled, after which he drove for the next 18 months without a license. Nolan and I got pulled over on the way home from a shoot the other day, mm -hmm. and this cop was like, hey, do you guys have any guns in the car? And we were like, no. And he was like, I'm just kidding. I love your videos. Yeah. So he just pulled you over to say hi? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's an abuse of the law. It was, it was weird. It was normal. Yeah, cool. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jochen was caught by the police the day before he was eligible to receive his license after driving without it for 18 months. Ironic. Eventually, Jochen was given a license, and in 1960, at the age of 18, he received his first car, a Volkswagen Beetle, 
that he was notorious for flinging around the streets of his hometown, keeping him on a first-name basis with the local police officers. There goes Yokin again. Screech! 1961 was the year that Yokin was truly put on track toward his career in racing. His friend and future F1 racer, Helmut Marco. Oh, from uh, the from Patronus fame. Oh, Red Bull. No, yeah. He's the guy that uh, hires, he brings you on. Yeah. Uh, he's like the talent he's manager. He's the HR for Red guy. Bull. Anyway, Helmut Marco brought him to watch his first F1 race, driving 14 hours to the German Grand Prix at the Nürburgring. Exhausted, they passed out next to a section of the track. Waking in the morning to the sounds of roaring engines. That'd be sick. I know, dude. That'd be dope as hell. Jochen got to witness his hero race in person. The German Count Wolfgang von Trips. Oh. Oh, boy. That's like a fake name. We talked about Wolfgang in the Phil Hill episode. Yeah, we've mentioned him a few times. And it was at this moment that Jochen knew he was going to be a race car driver. And this, so Wolfgang von Trips grew up in the, like... Silver Arrows era uh-huh. and watched, you know, didn't watch, but like witnessed the guys dying on the Autobahn trying to set, you know, world records, mm-hmm. speed records. Wanted to become those guys like a national German hero, became that and died. Died. Mm. As listeners of this show may know, Von Trips died tragically <laughs> oh. a few months after this in a crash during the Italian Grand Prix at Monza. But the death of his idol did nothing to deflate young Jochen's dreams, and in 1961, he entered his first auto race, driving his grandmother's Simca Molnery. Hmm. He was almost immediately black flagged and disqualified for dangerous driving. This does not look like a race car, by the way. Well, it's his grandmother's. Yeah. <laughs> that looks like the car that Ron and Harry fly to Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah. I can see this being a little sports car. Yeah, it's a little baby, little sedan. What's the Lotus sedan? That's that's a uh, uh, Cortina. Cortina, yeah. Jay Leno's. I was gonna say Cortado, but that's this a does coffee. look like a little Cortina. Yeah, I'm same gonna, style. I'm a big fan of square cars. I got two of them. Mm. You do. My cars are rectangles. <laughs> they work very well in geometry workbooks. They and, are easy. And your golf to draw. was square in a previous life. Yeah, my golf is a little rounded, but. It's so squarish. It's very it's boxy. I got boxy car syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, BCS. Jochen continued to gain recognition and rapidly ascended the racing circuits, graduating from the <laughs> sim. What? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> graduating from the Simca to an Alfa Romeo GT thirteen hundred nice. to Formula Junior in a Cooper T six seven. By 1964, Jochen decided he was ready to compete in F2. He grew up wealthy, having inherited a spice factory from his late father. What? Nice. Oh. Like, like in Dune. Yeah. <laughs> and was able to jumpstart the next phase of his racing career without outside support. The spice must like flow. Like James Hunt. You know, dreams are messages from the deep. Yeah, dude, I know that. Uh. Uh, he purchased a Brabham BT-10 for 4,000 pounds. Jochen ended up retiring from both heats in his first race, but in his second, on May 18, 1964, Jochen defeated legendary British racer Graham Hill oh, wow. and won the London Trophy race at the Crystal Palace Circuit, which sounds like it's in Mario Kart. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Go... Crystal Palace FC. Okay, any track but Crystal Palace. 
Always with a full tank of confidence, Jochen approached the press on his own volition. So, don't you want to write something about me? <laughs> Who plays him? He's got a very unique look. Christoph so think- Waltz. Uh, Miles Teller. Miles Teller. Nice. Oh, yeah. He, he, gets a, like, Miles Teller look. Nose, he looks like his, his face stopped <laughs> being made. Yeah. Right? Like, he looks like the beginning of a drawing. Like the 3D printer malfunctioned at some point. It's just like, I'm done. Yeah. It's, like they drew, <laughs> it's like they drew his face, and then they're like, well, I don't really need to shade it in or anything. <laughs> like, you know you ever go to, like, an art, like a high school art show? Uh-huh. Yeah. In high school? Not now. And there's now. some, like, portrait that they spent so much time yeah, drawing. Yeah, like, the it, eyes are too far apart. Yeah. It looks like one of the... He looks like one of those murals in Hollywood. Like Johnny yeah. Depp. Where, <laughs> where like, uh, yeah, Johnny Depp looks like a zombie for some reason. Yeah, and Leonardo DiCaprio has eyes on the side of his head like a horse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Most British journalists had never heard of Jorgen. <laughs> <laughs> Most British journalists had never heard of Jorgen. Many mistaking him in the next morning's papers as the Australian who had flung his vehicle around corners at unimaginable (laughs) angles. But with this victory, a star was born. They're different countries. Different countries, different continents. They say uh, Alps or kangaroos. If you want to hear about Australians, maybe last week's episode might be fun for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The press quickly learned Jochen's correct country of Oregon... And racing aficionados began to take notice. He crashed often and was hospitalized on several occasions, but if he crossed the finish line, it was often in first place. During this era, even the best F1 drivers had to top off their income by racing elsewhere. Jochen was no exception. And by the end of the 60s, he was called the king of F2, (laughs) winning 29 races in his career, defeating. His more famous contemporaries like Jackie Stewart and Jim Clark. When asked about his aggressive driving style, he replied, Nobody knows how long he will live. Because of this, you will have to do as much as you can, as fast as you can. Watch me eat. Watch. He's talking about himself in third person? No, he's talking about anybody. So no one knows how long he will live. That's like the figurative us. Jürgen was just getting started. <laughs> what? It was Jürgen and now it's Jürgen. It's Jürgen. <laughs> Jochen. <laughs> uh, I don't like how you pronounce Jochen. It's not Jochen. There's a lot of guys named Jochen who are really offended by this. <laughs> <laughs> you want to say that, uh, Pascal, it doesn't mean you don't. Please stop doing Austrian accents. They've been through a lot. It's not a good look. It's not a good look to say Jochen, okay? <laughs> well, Jochen was just getting started. In August 1964, just three months after his first F2 race, he made his F1 debut at his home circuit, the Austrian Grand Prix, driving a loaned Brabham BT-11. Nice. He was forced to retire on the 58th lap with a broken steering column, but there was no denying his skill. Yelkin, your car's broken. My, <laughs> Shut up. I, I'm not joking. I'm not, I'm not sh- joking, Yokin. Car's broken. 
No, I'm not smoking. No, I'm going to drink a Coke and... Uh, <laughs> I'm drinking a Coke and Yokin's broken. <laughs> <Garden is> broken. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> this is not stoking us out. <laughs> <laughs> you keep driving that, you'd be croaking. You'd be croaking, dude. Uh, he signed a three-year contract with Cooper starting in the 1965 season, paired with a guy that you guys might be familiar with, my uncle, Bruce McLaren. Never heard of him. Never heard of him? No. He's my freaking uncle. You met him. <laughs> he I met him at my barbecue. I wish, dude. He called it a bobby. They did. We ate rude meat. <laughs> Let's not start with the ruse again. I can't stop. <laughs> What's the Austrian version of kangaroo? Austrian version like of a ram? Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably a ram. Yeah, like a ram. Yeah. 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 Ramaroos. <laughs> we'll be right back with more of this story. But first, a word from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Yokin's passion for racing was pure and simple. Quoted saying, I go racing basically because I like it. I am now making money out of it, which I am very happy about. But I would never do it just for money, which is like what rich people say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, wait, doesn't this guy have like a spice factory? Yeah, he inherited a spice factory. He inherited a bunch of money. I would <laughs> never do it for money because like money. like I what don't even, need money. Yeah, what even is money. money, you know? It's, like It's just money, dude. It's just, just money, money, bro. It's all cinnamon to me. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a scene in Harriet the Spy mm-hmm. where her poor friend, mm-hmm. Harriet's family has money and her poor friend goes to buy groceries and he doesn't have enough money and she oversees him and she ends up paying for some of his groceries and he's embarrassed and she says i hate money and he says you'd like it a lot more if he didn't have any yeah Mm. and i remember that all the time yeah 
Sometimes Jochen would compete in three races a day, so naturally it was a dream come true to compete in the 24 hours of Le Mans. His first time behind the wheel was in 1965 in a Ferrari 250 LM and paired with an American, Maston Gregory, for the North American Racing Team, or NART. (laughs) It was reported that neither driver believed the car stood a chance in the race and considered the endeavor a paying chore. Guys, like you're in the coolest race in a Ferrari. Ferrari, Please have like some positivity. Be yeah, optimistic. and they thought that so loudly that now we're telling their story like that is 60 crazy. years later, yeah. and like that's part of the story. Yeah. Despite their losing attitudes, the competitive Jochen was always seeking an edge. As many listeners of the show know, the start at Le Mans isn't like other races. Wasn't, well, it wasn't at the time. Yeah. Uh, the drivers had to sprint up a slope on foot to, to jump in the cockpit <laughs> of their car. Like, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, Jochen somersaulted into his seat, his foot landing directly on the accelerator. What? And nice. was he was off the, the line by far. Because he of still that. had to Dude. start the car, though. That's crazy. Yeah. Aren't their cars started? I don't think no. so. No, that's they gotta fire why they're up. on the left side, so you can uh, shift. Yeah, wow. That's why Porsche's ignition is on the left side, what? too. What? I love that. Cool. Okay. What? What? Okay. Okay, Porsche. Okay, I see Porsche. you. I see you, Porsche. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Porsche. Porsche. That's the sound cool. of a Porsche going by. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, however, their assumptions about the car were correct, guys. The Ferrari wouldn't restart during the first pit stop, and later they experienced engine failure. The outlook was bleak enough that Jochen changed out of his racing uniform. However, when the car revved back to life after 30 minutes of repairs, Jochen and Maston decided to drive flat out until the engine failed for good. That's fun. Jochen drove from dusk to dawn, pushing them from 18th to third place. Wow. Wow. Maston convinced Jochen to let him take the wheel for one last leg of the race, doubtful that his 23-year-old partner would have the restraint to coax the laboring car to the finish. Miraculously, though... They won Wow! with fellow racer Jackie Ix commenting afterwards. They drove like maniacs. <laughs> wow. That just goes to prove you don't need a good attitude to win. I guess not. <laughs> I guess not. Yeah, wine, wine, like, wine, 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 wine. The squeaky wheel gets the yeah. grease. Make it apparent that you're unhappy and you'll win. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's a lesson they took away from that. I took no. that but away. They're probably like, ugh, it was our driving and uh, not this great. stupid now machine. Now I got to come back next year. Now yeah. I got to come back next year. Maybe I'll have to drive some crappy like a freaking Aston Martin. Yeah. Drive Ferrari again. Yeah. I like these guys. <laughs> <laughs> By now, Jochen had become Austria's first giant sports star and raised the popularity of motorsports in the country to heights previously reserved only for skiing. We love going downhill. We have all these hills. We might as well go down them. What else are we going to do with them? Go up him? Up? <laughs> no one's ever gone up. <laughs> I think you might be onto something. <laughs> His casually confident demeanor was sometimes interpreted as arrogance. Uh, okay. <laughs> What's that like? And could best be compared to Aaron Rodgers. 
What? That's our best comparison? That's the best one we could come up so with. So he's like kind of aloof and he does ayahuasca? His casually confident demeanor was sometimes interpreted as arrogance. If he didn't like you, you knew it. But his flash on and off the track made him a fan favorite. And Sports Illustrated nicknamed him the Young Savage. Nice. nice. That, you got the Sports Illustrated call you that too, right? Yeah, that's what they call Nolan. Yeah. That's kind of oh. a bummer. Mm. <laughs> well, another journalist called him the James Dean of motor racing, which is what they call me, <laughs> who would mm-hmm. inevitably seek the sustenance of a cigarette whenever he stepped from the cockpit. Nice. What a freaking sexy sentence. <laughs> <laughs> what a horny, horned up sentence. Inevitably seek the sustenance of a cigarette whenever he stepped from the cockpit. Nice. Uh, can I use your phone? <laughs> Do you have an iPhone 4 charger? That's a quote. That's a quote. <laughs> uh, Joachim would arrive on race day in a large fur coat, drive brilliantly fast, then go home with his wife, Nina, a Finnish fashion model and daughter of racing driver Kurt Lincoln. Kurt cool. Lincoln, who sang, This is how we do it. <laughs> <laughs> Love Kurt what? Lincoln. Kurt Lincoln. <laughs> this is how we do it. It's Friday night. Who, who's actually the guy? Kurt Lincoln. <laughs> and the feeling right. Party's here on I the west side. I can't think of his name because. <laughs> got my son in law, Yoken, driving up. I got the keys to that Montel truck. Jordan. There's <laughs> nowhere near <laughs> Kurt Lincoln. <laughs> It feels so good. <laughs> Jochen had actually raced against his future father-in-law back in Formula Juniors. Cool. In 1965, he put together the first racing car exhibition in Austria, inviting high-profile colleagues and friends like Jackie Stewart to attend. Although Jackie was pretty much obligated to say yes, since the two were neighbors. The event continues uh, to this day in Germany as the Essen Motor Show. Oh, Sick. Okay. Thanks in large part to his unofficial manager and friend, Bernie Ecclestone. This guy. This guy's everywhere. Joachim became heavily sponsored, starred in tons of advertisements, and even hosted a monthly TV show in Vienna called Motorama, (laughs) on which he would give driving tips to citizens, report on that month's Grand Prix, and interview fellow drivers. His boyhood friend, Helmut Zwicky, called him the driving instructor of the nation. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Helmut. I'm a Yoken bro. Yoken bro. Yeah. I'm a rent bro. Rent bro. You're under rent control. <laughs> <laughs> rent controls are great. Ah, uh, you yeah. got to pay the rent. Nice. It's the first of the month. Time to pay wake the up, rent. Wake up, wake up, wake up. That's and what I passes you. Yeah. Oh, it's the first of the month. Time to pay the rent. I'm the instructor <laughs> of the nation. I'm the driving instructor of the nation. However, Jochen's rise to fame did not immediately parallel his rise to the podium. The Cooper team was struggling at the time, and Jochen's best result in 1965, his first full season in F1, was a fourth-place finish at the German Grand Prix. He would finish the season with just four points and 13th place for the championship. In 1966, uh, this marked Formula One's return to power. New rules allowed the capacity of normally aspirated engines to double to three liters. Although the specifications had been announced three years earlier, many teams were far from ready. 
That year, Cooper introduced its T81 chassis using nine-year-old Maserati V12 engines, which were heavy, but since many other teams are struggling with the new rules, the car was competitive. So it's a three-liter V12? That's pretty crazy. Probably sounds like a monster. <laughs> yep, just like that. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yoke. Okay. <laughs> Yoke took second place in the second race of that year, the Belgian Grand Prix. The wet track favored Jack Surtees' Ferrari, but Jochen's Cooper team was thrilled with the result. His, quote, very courageous drive was his first podium in Formula One. He achieved three podium positions that year, placing third in the championship overall. That's Nicely a good done. glow up right there. Yeah. His 1967 season was less successful, however. He finished only two of 11 races, both in fourth place, coming in 13th for the championship once again. However, at only 25 years old, and now at the end of his contract with Cooper, he was a highly sought-after driver for the 1968 season, receiving offers from every team except Honda and Lotus. He went with Brabham, the world champions of the last two seasons. I would, too. Yeah, not mm-hmm. bad, dude. Freaking back-to-back champs? Yeah, I'll go there, sure. Just like how Aaron Rodgers signs with dude. NFL champs Jets. The Jets. Unfortunately, though, Brabham's Repco V8 engine wasn't competitive against the now widely used Cosworth DFV. And due to the technical problems, he would once again finish only two races on the season. The first race of the year was the South African Grand Prix on New Year's Day. He placed third behind Graham Hill in second, and his close friend Jim Clark won that race. And sadly, this would be Clark's final F1 race. He died three months later during an F2 race in Germany. And Jochen was deeply affected by Jim's death. During this period, Jochen twice crossed the pond to race in the Indy 500. But his string of bad luck continued and he didn't finish in 67 or 68. Speaking about the race, he remarked, quote, It is catastrophic. I always feel like I'm on my way to my own funeral. Wow. But I'm never late because I'm very fast. <laughs> That's a crazy thing to say about yourself. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> We're all on our way to our own funeral. Wow. If you think about it. Yeah. We just have think like about it. I don't want two thousand stops before. Yeah. Hopefully I got a couple more stops before my funeral. <laughs> 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 if nineteen sixty nine was the summer of love for Jokin, it was the summer of Lotus. Nice. <laughs> Determined to fulfill his championship aspirations, he made the bold choice to leave Brabham and sign with the defending constructors champion, which also paired him with defending drivers champion, Graham Hill. His enemy. His straight up enemy, dude. It's Graham Hill. I call him Grand Cracker. (laughs) But Jochen still had serious trepidations. It was undeniable that driving for Lotus would be his best chance at winning a championship. However, the Lotus cars were notoriously unreliable, and Jochen was effectively replacing Lotus's late former champion and his friend, Jim Clark. Jochen remarked, At Lotus, I will be either become world champion or die trying. So, that's my favorite 50 Cent album. <laughs> I will become Lotus champ or die trying. <laughs> with the <Yep>. heat. <laughs> so he signed the contract and became the first non-English driver in the team's history. Wow, cool. Jochen's concerns were almost immediately justified during his second race with Lotus. At the Spanish Grand Prix, 
Due to special modifications, the wings of Graham's car collapsed on lap nine, and he swerved violently into the Armco barrier. Sweet. Hill was extremely fortunate to walk away unharmed. Just 11 laps later, Jochen suffered the same wing collapse in the exact same spot. Wow. His car smashed through the already damaged barriers and straight into Hill's wreckage. Oh, bummer. They didn't even clear it? Jeez. Jochen's car flipped 12 feet in the air, landing upside down. There's no roof on these things and no halo at this point. Hill was still at the site of the crash uh, and helped pull his unconscious teammate to safety. Miraculously, Jochen only suffered a concussion, facial wounds, and a broken nose. But he was furious at Chapman and held him responsible for the wrecks. Wow. Colin, Colin Chapman, Chapman, the owner of Lotus. My uncle. I'd be, that's a bummer for both the wings to break in the same way mm-hmm. at the same turn. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy's still there. Yeah. Oh, crap. Pressure creates diamonds. And the tension between Jochen and Chapman created a formidable racer in 1969. Jackie Stewart called it the season that Jochen came of age and said that he was the driver I'm most worried about when I'm racing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect. It give you get, the impression gives you a sense of his height too. <laughs> the small guy, he's but the wee fella. Yeah, he's a wee. Jochen was in the mix of several exciting finishes, including. The Italian Grand Prix that ended in a four-way photo finish with Jackie Stewart finishing just eight hundredths of a second ahead of Jochen for first place. And Jean-Pierre Beltois and Bruce McLaren less than .19 seconds behind him. It was the closest one, two, three, four finish in the history. That is crazy four cars side by side. I want a poster of that. Positively nutty. Positively. It's straight up bonkers. The penultimate race of the season was the U.S. Grand Prix at Watkins Glen in upstate New York. Nice. The Glen, baby. We love it. We love love the Finger Lakes. I love the Finger Lakes. We love the Finger Lakes. (laughs) Licking them Finger Lakes while I'm eating them Buffalo Wild Wings. (laughs) (laughs) Jokin started from pole position and jockeyed with three Brabham cars for the lead. Jokin managed to fend off his friend, Pierce Courage. Cool name. Who was quite brave. To finally win his first F1 race. With tears in his eyes, he accepted his trophy and $50,000 purse. A record prize for F1 at the time. You know, it's about $410,000 today. That's pretty decent. Jochen had tasted victory and set his sights on the 1970s season. Determined to dominate. To Hmm? dominate. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get back to more past guests, but right now, a word from our sponsors. After retirements in the first two races, Yoking was hoping to simply finish his first race of the season at the Monaco Grand Prix. Due to a laundry list of mechanical issues with the newly designed Lotus 72, he was driving the relatively more reliable Lotus 49. With five laps to go, Jack Brabham had a cozy, just snuggled up. 15-second lead, victory well in hand. Or so he thought. Jochen was bearing down on Brabham, and by the final lap, he was just a few lengths behind. Still a seemingly safe lead at that point in the race. But well aware of Jochen's daring nature, the veteran driver took an unusual line on the final hairpin to block away any last-second tricks from the rising Austrian. But he broke too late. 
He locked up his wheels and slid into the barriers as Yokin passed him and on to victory in an old, obsolete car. The rise of the king had begun. King of F2, more like king of F1. Two races later at the Dutch Grand Prix, Jochen debuted the new and improved Lotus 72. The car was well worth the wait, as Jochen easily qualified in pole position and cruised to victory without breaking a sweat. This is one of my favorite cars to drive in driving sims. It is a cool little number. Sadly, his second victory of the season was marred by tragedy. On lap 23, his good friend, Pierce Courage, who he, he had eaten dinner with the night before, yeah. died in a fiery crash. This was the second racing death in just 19 days, as Jochen's former teammate, Bruce McLaren, was killed days before the Belgian <sighs> Grand Prix. Man. That was during a testing session, though, not during a race. How do you just keep going when, like, two of your best friends die? Two of your best two friends weeks. died doing a thing you're about to yeah. do. Yeah, it's pretty nutty. It's like if both of you guys died... Doing a podcast, I would not be doing this right now. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, ah, let's figure out why. Yeah. <laughs> Jochen was devastated, but he finally had the tools to match his skills, an unfinished business. He called the Lotus 72, quote, the best racing car that exists at the moment. When it worked. At the next race, the French Grand Prix, he suffered a steering failure. Storming into the garage after the race, Jochen screamed at Colin Chapman. If this happens again and I survive, I'll kill all of you. He, he really did have half a mind to beat their ass. He had quite half a mind to beat their ass. Uh, the just, dog went home, ordered a pizza, and went to bed. Important side note to that story, though. Jochen had just won the race. and This made it two in a row, which put him in the lead for the championship. Do you think that's how Colin Chapman was like able to get him to calm down? But you won my baby. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you he called him his baby, baby for sure. Yeah. You won my baby. Come here. <laughs> and he kisses his forehead. Next up was the British Grand Prix at Brands Hatch, which turned out to be a repeat of the race in Monaco. Again, Jochen had pole position, and again on the final lap, it seemed like victory was in the bag for Jack Brabham. But, as we all know, scientifically, time is a flat circle. And again on the last run, misfortune struck. His car... Ran out of petrol. Jack Brabham's car. Yeah. Jochen rounded the last turn, having accepted second place, only to suddenly find himself in first while a fuming Brabham rolled to second. That made it three wins in a row, baby. I could just see Brabham with a steaming car on the side of the road. Shaking his fists. Crap. Crap. Ah, crud. Ah, crud. Ah, heckin' crap. Ah, heckin' crap. Next up was the German Grand Prix. The race was set to take place at Nürburgring, where Jochen's dream had begun. This is a montage. Yeah, it is. BTWs. Yeah. But the Grand Prix Drivers Association, headed, so much more. <laughs> headed by Jochen and Graham Hill, they boycotted the venue due to safety concerns, and the race was moved to Hockenheim Ring. Babies. The race became a two-way battle between Jochen and Jackie Eeks, who was in second place for the Drivers' Championship. Jochen exchanged leads with Ix Ferrari several times, but he won out in the end. Four in a Four row. Four in a row. That's, a, that's still like a huge accomplishment oh, to do that sure, today. Dude. A points finish was all Jochen needed to clinch the world championship. The venue for the Italian Grand Prix in Monza was known for its high speeds, and Jochen had observed that the Ferraris of Jackie Eeks and Clay Regazzoni were consistently running 10 miles per hour faster than his Lotus at the Austrian Grand Prix. 
To increase his speed and stay competitive, Jochen opted to drop his car's rear wings. It made the car more difficult to control, but Jochen had the championship in his sights, and he was going to do everything in his power to secure it. Less aerodynamics means less drag. It mm-hmm. means you can have a f- higher top speed, which is definitely very important at Monza. It's a very high-speed track. But less pressure on the back wheels to keep them nice and... Less grip. Which maybe. means more squirrel factor. Yes. Yeah. The squirrel factor was out of control. Yeah. The day before the race on September 5th, Jochen was driving in a practice session. He was driving at high speeds, and at the exact spot where his hero, Wolfgang von Trips, had crashed and perished nine years prior, Jochen lost control suddenly veering sharply to the left and straight into a guardrail, destroying the front of the car. Ever since the death of Pierce Courage, Jochen was in the habit of only using four of the five-point harness in order to make it easier to escape the car in the event of a fire. The adjustment resulted in injuries that led to his death. Jochen Rint was 28 years old. So he submarined. Sounds like it. Yeah. So, like, the four-point harness, you got two around your, your lap. lap that can create a belt, and then one on each shoulder that comes down and connects to those. Then you got one that goes uh, between your legs mm-hmm. uh, and connects to that same buckle, which keeps you from sliding under your harness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it sounds like he didn't have that one buckled, and he submarined. Yeah. Always which, have that crotch belt done. I always, I'm wearing my crotch belt right now. <laughs> nice. Jochen was buried in Graz, Austria on September 11th. Swedish driver Jochen Bonnier gave the eulogy saying, to die doing something that you love to do is to die happy. And Jochen had the admiration and the respect of all of us. Regardless of what happens in the remaining Grand Prix this year, to all of us, Jochen is the world champion. Jackie X was unable to surpass Jochen's points total in the remaining four races of the season, and Jochen became the first Austrian champion, as well as the only driver to posthumously win the world championship. Wow. The championship trophy was handed to his widow, Nina Rint, by Jackie Stewart on November 18, 1970, in a ceremony in Paris. Wow. Sadly, Jochen Rint is mostly remembered in the history books for this fact the only posthumous F1 champion. And outside of the 1970 season, his statistics don't jump off the page. Of his 60 F1 starts, he retired from 35 of them. However, this is not indicative of a mediocre driver with a fluke-dominant season. He was a driver's driver with the same confidence and skill as his more decorated contemporaries, and any of them would acknowledge that his 1969 and 1970 seasons were just the beginning of his ascension to the top of the racing world. The signs were there since he was a young boy, and once he set his eyes on motor racing, it was a mad dash until the end. Well said. Bummer. Thanks, I made that up. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, pretty, uh, that's a sad Dude, sad I'm end. a rent bro, dude. Yeah. I love Yoken Rent. Yeah, great story. He yeah. sounds cool. He's brash in all the right ways. Mm-hmm. He owns a spice factory. <laughs> Can't forget that. He went out before he got ugly. <laughs> so send him into me. I don't want to go out get... before I get ugly, though. I want to be old and gross. Mm-hmm. I want to be so old and so gross. I can't wait. Yeah. I mean, I can wait. <laughs> I want to take a long time to get old and gross, but I would like to eventually grow to be old and gross. Yeah. And I would love for me and my... My lady to grow old and gross together. Although she'll I want to like find gross. a flap of skin that yeah. I haven't touched in years. Yeah. 
I just like scrape the dead skin off. I want to. I want my nurse to be have to roll me over. Yeah, and apply ointment to your bed sores. To my bed sores. <laughs> so wait, you want to be bedridden <laughs> eventually? <laughs> That's. The I mean, dream. we're talking That's like the- fifty year goals right now, right? Well, I also want to download my conscious Nixon into a mech. That'd be that's that'd be cool. Okay, yeah. we got some reader mail this week, but I have Alzheimer's. Uh, so I'm, a mech. I'm a mech with Alzheimer's. Yeah, the last thing I want to deal with that is doesn't what... realize who his kids yeah. are. <laughs> it's the life, man. That's the that you're right. That's the life. Okay, we got reader mail this week. I'm a huge fan of Pass Gas. I learn so much from you guys all the time. In fact, all of Donut, including everyone involved from editors to hosts, has my gratitude for helping me with my depression and motivating me to create a sick project car to show off to y'all someday. Nice. Don't do it for us, though. Do it for you. Do it for you, man. But awesome. But awesome. Anyways, I'm sitting here watching the Michael Bay Transformers, which led me to thinking, if these movies with all the cool car shots impacted the car industry anyway... It seemed to me that Chimeras became popular after the first Transformers. Thank you, Donut Brody. They actually used that movie to launch mm-hmm. the Camaro when it came back. Yep. That was a so, huge marketing ploy. GM supplied a ton of vehicles for the Transformers series in those early movies. And if you'll notice, uh, the, the bad guy, the bad robot, the cop car that was a saline mustang cop oh, car. Oh, because yeah. wow. mustangs are yep. bad and Camaros are wow. bumblebees. Yeah. Yep, that's right. You can buy me at the biggest Chevy DR. You know, uh, I got movie marketing. My it sounds like an interesting topic. That sounds like a great topic. Thanks, Brody. Thanks, Thanks, Brody. Brody, Brody. thank you for getting in contact with the show. If you'd like to email at us, hit us up at passgas at donutmedia.com. We'd love to hear from you. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the show each and every week. We really, really appreciate it. It's my favorite thing to do. Yeah, thank you for making us the number one automotive podcast and the number 60 comedy podcast. We really, we love you guys. Anyway, follow the guys. Follow James Pumphrey at James Pumphrey. Follow Joe at Joe G. Weber. Follow me at Nolan J. Sykes if you'd like. Big thank you to our producers, as always. Christina Felski, Gavin Kinzel, and Nick Giamuso Nick on the Moose. freaking cameras here. And, and our, our writer. writer, Sam Clemmer. Thank you, thank Sam. You, Sam. And uh, thank you for listening once again. And we'll see you next week. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project 
in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.